What's up, everybody? Welcome to the month of August. Welcome to week four of the NFL recap on the Pick 6 podcast. I am Will Brinson. I am your host. As always, on Sunday night, I will be joined, I am currently joined, by a fearsome foursome, or I guess I can prize it, uh, in this foursome situation. I would be Mr. Fantastic. Ryan, of course, would be Sue. Ryan, how you doing? Great, thanks. Muted, <laughs> muted. I see. <laughs> I don't really know what I was going with there. I'm getting a little delirious here. I I think it's primarily because of a lack of sleep, but also because Ryan, um, I don't. I feel like I might be in the middle of a Truman Show situation with the Steelers being in last place, tied with the Browns after losing on Sunday night to the Baltimore Ravens. This is going to be an hour long troll of you, the Steelers fan. Uh, you, every week we ask you what your Where's your head at? What's your nervous level? What to scale of one to ten? How you feeling here, buddy? I feel great. I'm gonna be honest with you. You're not in last <laughs> place. They're tied for second place in that division. Uh, that's, that's, that's a good way to put so it. You yeah. gotta be positive. Yeah, look, here's the deal. My kid, actually, my kid, did, my kid didn't poop on the floor. He's learning how to use the potty. <laughs> that's all. It's all about perspective. They're not a good football team, but I'm not. I, I don't know what you want me to say. I'm not worried about it. Their defense is terrible, and if Big Ben doesn't play like a Hall of Famer. They're going to lose by at least 12 points. I think they lost by 12 points to the Ravens in a game. which probably should have been a lot more than 12 points. Um, I thought that the game, the Ravens-Steelers game, and we'll also get to Mitchell Trubisky. Um, we're joined, of course, by John Breach and, and Sean Wagner as well. Um, uh, John, you could be um, uh, Hulk or the, who can who uh, Sean could be Mr. Torch or Johnny Torch or whatever. Does that work? That works. I don't know any of these people. Like, I'm not sure the Hulk is yeah. part of the Fantastic Four. They're not the Hulk. The Rock. Say, Who's this, the Rock? Is this like an old person thing that I'm not aware of? This is no a Brinson making up as he goes thing. Yeah, I should just let this thing go. All right, we're gonna pretend I never said all that crap. Uh, we'll we'll come. We'll, we'll, Sean, explain so, to Ryan that he's he's nervous and he's scared, and that we're like we're getting nervous and scared that we're trolling you too much about the Steelers, Ryan. Aren't we, Sean? Well, here's the thing is I think it's like sad how he's reacting because it almost <laughs> seems like he's just accepted that the Steelers do suck. They will continue to suck and there is no solution. Like his hope is just gone. It's just been evaporated. And I think two weeks ago it was more of like, ha ha, we're trolling Ryan. And we all know the Steelers aren't that bad. And now he's looking at this like they're right. I need to prepare myself for a long season. And who knows? Maybe they'll fight off the Browns. Maybe they'll get third, and maybe that'll feel good for them. Maybe Mason Rudolph will get in, and you know, they'll start building for the future. But as of right now, it's a sad situation, and you've got Mister Hopeful before the season picking the Steelers to win the Super Bowl, and now you have him trying to sell a one-two and one start as second place in the division. It, First of all, I didn't I didn't pick them to win the Super Bowl. Number one. Number two, I do love Sean's fake machismo, just because the the Bears aren't. God awful terrible. And the reality is he may be projecting onto me what he thinks is going to happen to him when the mm. Bears inevitably lose eight games in a row and he has to explain Mitchell Trubisky to his friends. By That's the way, the Steelers schedule coming up, Falcons at home, at the Bengals, uh, then they get a bye, then they get the Browns at home, at the Ravens, Panthers at home, and at the Jaguars. That's not an easy schedule. They can also make up a lot of ground very quickly by playing well in the division. My concern, Ryan, after watching that game against Joe Flacco and, and the Ravens, and Joe Flacco was mad after the game. He told Michelle Tafoya they left points, too many points out there on the field. My concern, John, is that the Steelers are not going to get better because their defense is the problem. I don't think it's Ben and the offense, but when Ben and the offense don't show up, Breach, the defense isn't there to bail them out. I mean, honestly, if I'm the Steelers, I'm calling Levy on Bell tomorrow. I'm giving him a blank check, and I'm saying, dude, just show up. We need you. It, it is, yes, the defense is the issue, but if the offense could stay on the field for more than 30 seconds per drive, that would help the defense. You know, so you wouldn't see. I mean, we all saw what happened. Three quarters, you take the second quarter out of the game, that's when they scored all 14 of their points. They were garbage. I mean, there was punts, there were fumbles, there were interceptions. It hurt my eyes to watch them play for those three quarters and you, you kind of you know they made it through we forgot about Le'Veon Bell because James Conner had such a huge game in week one but now we keep watching them and Roethlisberger doesn't have any help in the backfield James Conner I think what has he got under 20 yards in two of their past three games I mean it is just ugliness and uh if they don't give a blank check tomorrow their season's over the, the, so, the, 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 the real quick okay 
The Steelers are have scored outscored the opponent 66 to three in the second quarter, which is what John alluded to. They scored 14 points against the, the Ravens after going down 14 nothing. The Ravens defense is not allowed a touchdown in the second half this year. That remained the case on Sunday night. So those two things uh, went as you might expect them to based on recent history, and the Steelers are one two in that. The Steelers, also, the Steelers, by the way, had nine drives of 30 yards or less. That you have Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, Ben Roethlisberger, and James Conner. That's inconceivable. Well, apparently not. It happened, and I mean, James Conner shouldn't be in that conversation, as John pointed out, because their running game is dog crap. And you know, I, I actually wrote about this on Sunday night. They do need Le'Veon Bell. I don't know if you pay, pay him whatever he wants to be paid, or if you just suck it up. I think they're going to suck it up. I don't think anything's changed on that front. But they have zero balance, and if, unless Roethlisberger's completing 85% of his passes and just not intentionally throwing interceptions at the end of games to get out of there early, they're going to they're gonna continue to lose. <laughs> and what was that pick? The final pick by Roethlisberger was like he. I mean, he doesn't make that throw unless he's like he's like, man, I gotta. I gotta go watch the Kyle Brandt football experience on my DVR and check out John Breach in the background. Uh, you should watch that on Friday if you like old Breacher. He appeared on it. Um, John, the elsewhere in in the division, the Cincinnati Bengals won in a late game in Atlanta to give them on a on an Andy Dalton to AJ Green touchdown to give them first place in the division in October, which is actually as you predicted. It is as I predicted, but I still don't believe it. You know, like I heard you just talking about the Steelers schedule and how they play the Bengals in a couple of weeks. I remember a month ago on this podcast, I said the Bengals would win 10 or 11 games if they would lose both of them to the Steelers, which I still firmly believe. But that game today, that was the first time I'd probably three years I jumped out of my chair watching a Bengals game. I had zero faith that Andy Dalton was going to lead that game winning drive. And they just kept going and kept going. And then somehow AJ Green, your best player, gets wide open, uh, in the end zone with seven seconds left to play. And Dalton made a perfect throw. And that's, you know, we saw what this Bengals team did to that same Ravens team. Dalton lit them up. Uh, and so the offense is just, I thought they were going to be good and they're better than I thought they were going to be. So I, I mean, I would say this is definitely a top 10 offense, if not top five. The Bengals are a top five offense. Whose offense is more dangerous, the Bengals or the Ravens? Uh, well, I mean, the Bengals with Joe Mixon. Yeah, thank you, Wilson. You got it. I don't want John, to. John one. Ross is actually showing up, which no one, even Marvin Lewis, didn't expect. We, we already have more touchdowns from Ross than we thought we were to get all season. So, well, you, you know, sacrificed the hamstring today for a touchdown. Mm. He did. did he, was, he did. He did. He did. He did. He did. <laughs> I think he had to poop. That's what happened. I mean, what did by. you guys think of that? I don't think anyone thought, besides the fact that I had to stop watching the game for 10 minutes to like, uh, recalibrate after the Tyler Eifer injury. Cause I didn't know uh, if I was going to be watching any football the rest. I was just like, my God, that's horrible. But then, uh, and it really felt like the Bengals just weren't going to lose the game after that. It was kind of, you know, you don't see injuries that bad that often we see bad injuries a lot but i mean that thing was just about as ugly as it gets and, and tyler eifert as he was as he was being loaded up on the cart f- i mean fighting back tears you could tell he was he knew he knew his season was over he knew something was broken it turns out it was a fractured ankle um and he, as soon as he got into the tunnel he just covered his his face with both hands and just i mean clearly just weeping cuz i mean he he's he's been through so much in terms of injuries and it's just it sucks to see a guy who had fought back and was playing really well, putting together a healthy season to get lost in a, a fluke injury. Like that's not a result of him being injury prone. That's just him rolling up his ankle. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, like the, the one thing with the Bengals is they are, they're not healthy right now. And I'm not sure that the Falcons defense is it worse than the Steelers. What's the over under? No, no, this? they are not worse than the Steelers. They played, I thought they played all things considered. They're down. 15 guys, but legit like three or four starters and really good, decent starters. I mean, Deion Jones is a good, is a really good player. Um, who's, who else got hurt that's out Keanu for a while? Keanu Neal is out forever. Jones had the foot injury. They lost Ricardo Allen. So they're, they're without guys. Um, but I, I thought in that, the next to last drive that the, Ra- the uh, Falcons had when they had to kick a field goal, I knew they were losing that game because they went up by five points, I think, John, at that point. Yeah. And then you can't leave it to, to Dalton. Can't, can't leave Dalton that much time. <laughs> But uh, I knew they were going to lose at that point because partly because the defense is decimated. But I thought the defense did relatively well. But I mean that that offense is better than the Ravens' offense. 
You what, thought the Falcons defense did relatively well giving up 37 points? With, with the, playing with four guys. I mean, they're without a lot of good players. Right, they're but they're John. not, but I they're not a, getting them back anytime soon. Yeah, I don't think they're going to, I don't think the Falcons yeah. are a good football team. I just thought they, they had a chance to win that game despite the defensive, uh, the lack of defensive players. And when they kicked that field goal and didn't score a touchdown there, I knew the game was over. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they had a chance to win it for sure. And, and I think it's worth noting too, by the way, if you're an interested better in this game, uh, this, this over under for the Bengals and Falcons started at 48 and immediately leapt up to like 51, closed at 53 and a half, and they almost shattered it by halftime. I cannot fathom what the over under is going to be for Pittsburgh, Atlanta. Um, 200. <laughs> it's, it's Vegas Insider has it at 56, 56 right now. That's, that's too low. Like, it's going to be Wilson's age times two. Yeah. So a hundred, two hundred and twenty-two. Um, By the way, Brenton, um, I, I'm going to do the next segue solely based on what you just, the, the words you just said about Tyler Eifert and how it's so unfair and unlucky to get hurt playing a game that you love. You want to guess where I'm going next? Uh, sure. No. Your boy, Earl Thomas. Oh yeah. That stinks, man. Earl Thomas. Out for the season with a fractured leg. Great, great segue, Ryan. And, uh, Earl, by the way, <laughs> there's a great shot. Uh, we can't show it to you because we're an audio only podcast, but Earl on the way out gave our secret signal for I'd like to talk, which is he flashed the bird and you can see him like he's on the cart. He's being wheeled out of there and you can see a bunch of Cardinals fans patting him on the back and he flashes the middle finger over at Pete Carroll, shoots in the bird. Uh, as soon as it happened, you knew two things. One, who he was shooting it to. It was the Seahawks sideline. And two, John Breach was going to jump into slack and claim that for a post. Well, we I'm never, sure, I'm never going to pass up a middle finger post. Let's just be. <laughs> Do we know for sure that it was at directly at John Carroll? Uh, Pete Carroll? But John well, did you see Pete Carroll after the game said that oh, it's a big stadium. Like no one really knows who he was directing <laughs> it towards. Well, Which I mean, it's true. It is a big stadium. So but... Pete saw it. I mean, it, look, the, the implication was very clear. It was, you guys wouldn't pay me. I got, I came, I came anyway because I was under contract. I showed up. I balled out. I broke my leg playing this stupid game. Now I'm going to be a free agent. I'm not signing with you. I hate you all. F you right in the face. I mean, like that's. Yeah, that's the, uh, let me just the throw something in real quick on Earl Thomas. Is <laughs> that what if he got hurt? What if part of the reason was he's been skipping practice? The dude, you know, you miss training camp. You're not in as good football shape. We saw it last year with Le'Veon Bell. I think you're more susceptible to injury when you've missed for that long. And he's just skipping practices, just sitting on the sideline doing nothing. So, like, you're just chilling all week, and you go out and play a game. I mean, it was a non-contact injury. So it's not crazy to think maybe his body wasn't completely in football shape, and that's why it happened. Wait, he broke, so it's he like, broke a bone, though. It wasn't like he pulled a muscle. So I don't know if that's a result. You can't strengthen your bones by showing up for training camp. You drink calcium, you can, Wilson. How old he are could, you? You could be at home chugging milk for all we know. But uh, so straight up, though, hey, should do the you guys, trade for Earl Thomas? <laughs> no, they should not. Hey, do Injured you, Earl Thomas? Do you guys or, think that? Do you guys think that milk might be like a, a like the like the proliferation of milk might be a big time conspiracy by big milk that's been hanging around for like a long time? Like milk is secretly terrible for us. Yeah, like it. it I mean, I don't know if Here we, we want to go. go on this tangent, yeah. but there are much better ways to strengthen your bone with calcium than milk. And there are a lot of studies that show that people who do drink milk actually have weaker bones. Go, Sean. And that I only know, I only know this a lot because... of incentives for people to promote milk. I'm probably going to piss off someone and get fired over this. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. I just, I, I, I had, uh, just for I'm the record. I'm very passionate about this for the record. And <laughs> yeah, milk, I, so. I love the taste of milk. I love creamy things, but <laughs> not, not, not the health thing that, you know, you get taught in school with like the heat pyramid and all that. That's a bunch of crap. Um, look, I'm just saying that like, you know, if we took, we could take anything. Beer does a body good. People are like, well, we gotta drink beer. Dovetail. Or was it, what do you drink? Yellowtail, Ryan. Yellowtail does a body good. Um, I don't know. I think milk might be a big conspiracy that it's secretly terrible for you. Uh, the, so the NFC West is over now, right? We can all agree on that. NFC West is over. Yeah. The Rams, that was the best bet that, that, I, that I should have made and I didn't make. And I, I picked the Seahawks to win the division. I suppose they could still make some noise even without Earl Thomas, but like the Rams were minus 160 to win the division. This is a cruise control bet if you took them. They're two games up right now. Um, as Sean pointed out before you guys came on, they have the best, the Rams have the best point differential in the NFC West, and they're going to Seattle where they're a seven and a half point favorite next week. Is seven and a half points enough, John? 
Uh, you know, usually I would say Seattle at home. I told you the, the stat, they were a lock over the Cowboys because Pete Carroll had never lost in September. And usually I would take the Cowboys at home, but honestly, anytime the Rams are favored by under 10 points, I'm taking the Rams and expecting them to cover. And I don't care where the game's being played. If it's in Wilson's basement, uh, I'm taking the Rams seven and a half. All my money on the Rams. Uh, yeah, I, I think that the Earl, by the way, the Earl Thomas loss, now the, the Legion of Boom is officially over. The division has officially been given to the Rams. It is, uh, it is adios. And, uh, there's another division that's a little bit up in the air right now that we got to talk about as well. But I want to point out that on Sportsline on, uh, on, on, uh, I think it was on Friday at 6 p.m. I was on there with our buddy Nick Costas on CBS Sports HQ and I said Tariq Cohn was going to have a big weekend. And he did have a big weekend. And if you want information like that on Sportsline, on CBS Sports HQ, you can go and watch it. It's our free 24-7 live sports network online. You can use your Roku, your Apple TV, your Amazon. It's smarter sports for smarter fans. Uh, you can you can fire it up on your phone. You can fire it up with your laptop, mobile device, wherever you are. And it's completely free, data-driven analytics. We talk about the storylines that matter. We don't care about the fluff stuff. Um, and, and we bust into, uh, gambling and fantasy. If you're watching, if you're not watching, you're not winning. CBS Sports HQ. Go to cbssports.com backslash live. To the Tariq Cohen thing, Sean, would you like to take a minute and yap about Mitchell Trubisky and the Chicago Bears? Well, he threw six touchdown passes for anyone who didn't watch or see the headlines. Uh, or, or believe it. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, this is a guy who had like nine touchdowns in 15 games entering Sunday, and then he throws five in the first half, ends up with six. If the Bucks had been competitive, he probably could have challenged the record um, or broken the record, um, but they stopped <laughs> throwing the ball. Right. right. He had five touchdowns at halftime, and then they were, they were up 35, so they're not really throwing the ball. But when, you, but when, you, when you throw five touchdowns in a half, you're like, typically you're winning. <laughs> like, you're like, I'm aware, but the, the Bucks had three points. <laughs> The, the game was over at that point. Um, I think the encouraging thing was that, yes, this happened against a very bad defense, and a lot of the throws were wide open, but this is a quarterback who was missing all those throws through the first three weeks of the season, and the very fact that he was at least hitting them and spotting the right openings, because there were a lot of open receivers that he's missed and just left plays on the field in the first three weeks, so just him seeing that was impressive. He made a couple really good throws. A lot of it was just scheme, though. You talked about Terry Cohen. Um, he, the Bucks just couldn't, they tried to put linebackers on him and you just could not cover him coming out of the backfield. You had another touchdown where you fake a screen to him. Two of the guys sprint towards Tariq Cohen while Josh Bellamy shoots up that sideline. And Tariq Cohen literally raises his hands to signal touchdown before Mitchell Trubisky even throws the ball because he knows everyone just went to him. So to me, it was about Chicago having all these weapons and finally being able to use all of them. Taylor Gabriel got really involved. Um, so it's encouraging, but just like what I was saying after the first three games, Trubisky at that time wasn't a bust. His six touchdowns today doesn't suddenly mean he's going to throw for three touchdowns every week, but I think it's a nice sign of progress entering the bye. I'm a little disappointed. I was expecting some more optimism. Like how, at what point did you remove your pants? Like what touchdown was it that you took your pants off? Well, you know, I work from home, so I'm never wearing pants. Uh, but no, I was very... This is a, this is a good podcast for isolating comments from Sean and bringing yeah, it back Yeah, between up. the milk and the no pants thing. We got, we got <laughs> I like creamy here. stuff. Uh, I'm, uh, <laughs> after the Packers game, I'm very, like, obviously worried and cautioned anytime the Bears jump out to the lead. Uh, but I was also covering the game, so it made it a little bit less... Fun for me just to sit back and watch. Yeah, I'm not sure how you convinced the bosses that the game we needed a live blog in the one o'clock hour was Bears Buccaneers, but well, all, was... more power to you, pal. Uh, I'll say this. I've been all, all week, all season long, I've been banging the Bears first half, uh, first half line drum. I hope people keep hitting that thing because it hits every single week. They have a scripted offense they come out with. It works well. And then today, the difference for me, I mean, like, I talk about Tariq Cohen, but like they were using Cohen and putting him in the backfield, and it allows them to make him like their Tyreek Hill type or the Kareem Hunt type who can run these wheel routes that Jordan Howard can't run, who can you know do screen plays that Jordan Howard can't turn into big um, explosive plays. And I think that makes a world of difference for this offense. Now, look, the Buccaneers stink. Mitchell Trubisky had wide-open guys, but that's sort of the point of the Chiefs offense, right? They're supposed to put you in positions where guys get wide open, Ryan. 
Yeah, no, I mean, there's very little to complain about in that game. And last week I said my big concern with Mr. Bisky and Sean agreed is that he seems to take three-step drops and then immediately look to his left or right to, to sort of roll out of the pocket when there's no reason to do so. He didn't do that against the Bucks, but as Sean also pointed out, the Buccaneers are a god-awful defense. And they were they showed no signs of, of that changing. They got steamrolled by the Steelers in the first half last week, and that's certainly something you, you don't want to brag about. And then, uh, you know, Trubisky did the same thing with six, six touchdowns, which no one ever thought would be words coming out of anyone's mouth. Uh, I think for the Buccaneers, I think I think uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick made Dirk Cutter's job a lot easier. You, you bench him and you roll with Jameis Winston, and there's no reason to look back now because uh, I think the uh, the fun ride is over for for the Bucks. He started two two and zero, oh, and now two and two, and uh, I don't think that Ryan Fitzpatrick should be dressing up like Deshaun Jackson anytime soon. Yeah, I, I think that to me is one of the bigger takeaways. It's not as noticeable as the Trubisky six touchdowns, but. The Buccaneers' defense has been bad throughout the season. Their offense has been scoring 30 points a game, and the Bears held them to 10 points. And it it didn't feel like at any point the Bucks could move the ball. They had, they got a couple deep shots to Deshaun Jackson, um, as they probably should get that with Prince McMahon not playing. Um, but the Bears, with Khalil Mack, just got after whoever was playing quarterback um, all afternoon long. And I think... Trubisky is obviously not going to throw for six touchdowns every week. He's not going to play like this every week. But their their defense just allows them to stay in these games. And if they can shut down an offense that was putting up 30 points a game and hold them to 10 points, I think that, to me, is still – if the Bears are going to make the playoffs, it's because their defense keeps playing the way they are. Not to put a damper on your storm, Sean, but have the Bears beat a team with a winning record? Well, the Bucks two and two, oh and the Bucks four were two. The, the Bucks were two and with, one. Don't with don't the, Cardinals, the Bears were dropping the, their record. The Seahawks are two and two now. I'm just oh, saying that oh. looking forward, all these teams might end up being bad, mm. and so maybe we don't really know how good the Bears are yet. Sean just put his pants back on. Maybe no, I, I mean I think good teams beat bad teams, and the Bears have the second best point differential in the NFC, third best point differential in the NFL. And I think I think the key with the Bears is that I don't know if they're good, but their defense is good enough that I think they're going to be in almost every single game this year. Sean, Sean's like troubling the point difference until they beat a team by 38 points. Yeah, like well, a- look, I mean, obviously that's the way it works. But they've also lost one game, and it was like by what one point? They have three one-score wins on their on their record this year. That's worth noting. And they should have beat the Packers. Or two, two one-score wins and one one-score loss. Excuse me. They're two and one in one-score games. They're at the Dolphins next weekend. Then get the Patriots at home. Oh, I don't know anything about math. All right, so they got to buy. Then they're at the Dolphins. Then they get the Patriots at home. Jets at home at the Bills. What is their record after they play the AFC East? Three number and seven. Sean's jersey. Any number, Sean. I'll go three and one. He's like doing math over there. So you think they're going to be five and two by the time they get to November? I mean, I guess, I guess that's, that's what math would make it out to be. You think they're going to beat the Jets? Yeah. <laughs> you act like, I'm sorry, did the Jets do anything impressive that I've missed recently? The no. Bears haven't yet either. No, in fact, you know the Jets. <laughs> they, they just won a game by 38 points. Nothing impressive. It's unbelievable that you've been trolling Ryan for like three weeks and Ryan's still winning this troll game by getting you on the Bears. By the way, speaking of the Jets, they got demolished by the Jaguars, the Jaguars, as, as John Breach likes to say. Um, and I got some beef with Todd Bowles because not only did Todd Bowles decide to kick a field goal while down 25 to three in the fourth quarter. I don't know for you math majors like Sean, that gets you to 25 to six. Uh, he then, they then scored a touchdown with, uh, Sam Darnold passed the leg and missed the two point conversion down 25 to 12. Uh, they then, while down 13 points, punted the ball with five minutes left in the fourth quarter. What the hell, John? Yeah, I'm not okay. That is like, you know how Sean doesn't like milk. That's how I feel about this type of coaching. You're just <laughs> coaching to lose. Why are you even playing the game? Why do you have a job if you're coaching? To lose. This isn't like college football where maybe you lose by 13 points versus you losing by 40 points. You might drop further in the rankings. It's one game. It literally, you either try to win it or you don't try to win it. And Todd Bowles was not playing to win. Brenton, I think we could have coached the Jets better than Todd Bowles did today. I just really quick before we talk about football, I just need to say I like milk taste. I just don't think you drink it for health. 
and that's my final verdict on milk. Uh, unfortunately, Sean, we were going to get a milk sponsorship on this podcast. You ruined it, and you're fired. Uh, in lieu of the milk <laughs> right, sponsorship. So I can take off? Yeah, sure. Now it's just about the bears and ruined You're the Todd Bowles of milk. Uh, you're the Todd Bowles of milk. <laughs> while, while we're talking about things that are delicious uh, and not creamy, uh, I want to point out that I am currently drinking an Ale Smith San Diego 394 Pale Ale sent to me by the fine folks of the Mighty 1090 in San Diego. It's a great radio station there. Uh, Marty Caswell and Darren Smith. They, they also sent me some uh, Belching Beaver beer. Have you had that breach? You lived in San Diego for a hot minute, right? Well, I had Belching Beaver at my wedding. What? But but there was only a six-pack of it, so you probably didn't get any of it. Did I not. had to hide it. Make sure you got to keep the craft beers away from Brinson. Otherwise, he just goes to town. I, I would so, have gone to town on your Belching Beaver. Had there, I, yeah, had I known that was an option. Had to hide the Belching Beaver for me, Brinson. I would have wrecked what? your Belching Beaver had I known we're it was all, there. We're all getting fired. <laughs> for, for <laughs> this? No, seriously, Andy from, uh, from Belching Beaver, they sent me a crowler of uh, – I was going to drink it for this podcast – but it's like a nine percenter and it's called annihilation. So I thought that might be a, uh, a mistake. This is a, this is an homage to Tony Gwynn, who had, they actually collaborated with Tony Gwynn because it's his famous, uh, 394 batting average. Um, they also sent me some citra or some orange X, which is like their, uh, IPA with, with orange peel in it. It's really good. So I highly recommend people check out, uh, Alesmith if you haven't had that. Moving right along, still in the AFC East. Uh, what do we have to say about the Bills? They 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 lost twenty two nothing to the Packers. Anything that we need to say about this team? Anybody? Still terrible. Nothing wrong with it. That's what we expected. And hey, they went one one against the Vikings and the Packers on the road. I think they'll take that. Yeah, I think it says more about the Vikings than it does about the Bills. I think so. I, I think so too. I yeah. think so too. I think the Bills looked ahead to the Rams and then weren't prepared for the. I mean, I think the Vikings looked ahead to the Rams who weren't prepared for them. Josh Allen, sixteen of thirty-three for a buck fifty-one and two picks. Meanwhile, Pete Prisker is going on Twitter and trying to go after Baker Mayfield while his boy Josh Allen is pooping his pants in in, in Green Bay. Charles Clay, the leading receiver, LeSean McCoy, five carries, twenty-four yards. This team did nothing on offense. Couldn't stop uh, Aaron Rodgers either. The score was uh, sixteen to nothing at halftime, and that was just. They just kicked a couple field goals at the end. It was never close. Uh, Devontae Adams, 14 targets, 8 catches, 81 yards. Aaron Rodgers, 22 of 40. This was uh, what you like to call a name your name your price game. Like the, the Packers could have won 40 to nothing or 4 to nothing or 14 to nothing. It was their decision on, on what the score was. Uh, instead, we can focus on Miami and New England. But before we do that, let's talk about NFL Game Pass. I was actually, unbeknownst to these guys, uh, on NFL Game Pass, while we were doing this podcast, because I was firing up to look at this sick Harold Landry strip sack in the uh, Titans-Eagles game. And I got to tell you, I mean, this is the beauty of NFL Game Pass. Sunday night, you can go back and rewatch all the games that you didn't get a chance to see in detail. There's some big play you thought you missed. You can dive right in. And you can do it for free for seven days if you go to NFL.com slash pick six. That'll get you a free seven-day trial at NFL Game Pass, condensed versions, the broadcast versions. If you missed a game and you want to hammer out a condensed version on Sunday night, 40 minutes, bang, bang, boom, you're done. You can watch it very quickly. It is the only way to relive every single bit of the NFL action from the week that was. You want to see all 400-yard passing games? NFL Game Pass has got you covered. And all 22 drops later in the week. So make sure and go sign up for your free seven-day trial right now. NFL.com slash Pick six. All right, Breach. Tell me about the uh, Dolphins and Patriots. I I did watch a little of it, but then you know, like, why did I need to keep watching? It was the Dolphins got built up all week. This was appointment television. I was like, Miami's gonna go into New England. Maybe they'll give them a game. Maybe they'll be good for once. I don't think they've beaten Tom Brady in New England since like 2006. And then by the second quarter, uh, you know, I was falling asleep. I don't know what else to say. It was ugly. 38-7, Patriots blast the Dolphins. Your boy, Ryan, Brock Osweiler, got in under center, four or five, 35 yards and a touchdown. That's how bad things got for Miami. Um, nobody had more than 40 yards receiving. That was Kenny Stills. Frank Gore, 11 carries for 41 yards. Breakout game, though. I think this is important to note. Sony Michelle breakout game for the, for the, for the Patriots against what's been a pretty good Dolphins defense. 25 carries, 112 yards. And a touchdown. He and his uh, former college classmate, Nick Chubb, for the Browns, who we'll get to in a second, 
both blew up in a big way. James White, eight carries, 44 yards and a touchdown, and eight catches, 68 yards and a touchdown. This is a Patriots team that is now two and two. This is not how they want their first four games to go, but they stacked up a couple of wins. They're going to still win the division. I don't think that's in question anymore. And they get Julian Edelman back this week. I think that this is a, um, this is a, y'all are all stupid for talking about the Dolphins all week game, right? So let me point this out quickly. Uh, going into this game, the Dolphins were ranked second in football outsiders efficiency rankings. Number two behind only the Rams. They were ahead of the Chiefs. The Patriots, who we've been sort of crapping on, uh, recently, they were 23rd. Uh, I don't think did, did anyone pick at CBS pick the Dolphins to win that game? I didn't. No. And, um, I think if the game had been in Miami, maybe it's a different story, but I think the biggest takeaway for me is that the Dolphins are frauds. Uh, they did not <laughs> show up at all. They didn't show up. They got smoked by a, a subpar, not even replacement level team. And Tom Brady didn't play great to start that game. He threw an awful interception. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you would think that the Dolphins would sort of take advantage of those opportunities. They did not. And they couldn't stop the run, which the, the, uh, Patriots weren't particularly good at coming into this game. And for, you know, as great as Adam Gase and Ryan Tannehill have been, they got curb stomped, uh, in, in Gillette on Sunday. And I don't know if they can recover enough to sort of even make a, a wild card push at this point. I mean, I don't know how you, how you whoa, come back. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They're, They're going six and ten. Yeah. You know what it reminded me of? When the Texans went up there for, uh, with their Letterman jackets. Oh, Lord. And the te- yeah, the Texans were like, like JJ Watt and crew were coming in. They, they were to ride. They were a new power to deal with in the AFC. They rolled up in Letterman jackets on Monday Night Football and got rolled the bleep out of town, like 41 to 10 or something like that. They walked out of there with, like Sean with no pants on. <laughs> Covered in milk. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Sean, you never really? live, you're never living this milk. For the, before we move on, let's just point uh, out that uh, this uh, week. I would like to state that I do in fact like milk. I am, I am very <laughs> pro milk. Coconut okay, milk? Okay, that's two of us now. Uh, this week, Will Brinson led off his quarterback power rankings by talking about the golden era of quarterbacking I'm reading, and he leads it with Ryan Tannehill. So Ouch. I think what, what happened is it was the Brinson <laughs> curse. Brinson curse has ruined a lot of things. I'm <laughs> curious to know why Ryan Tannehill. Why he was so talking sound. about why it's a, quote, glorious god dang time to be a fan of football. And then he goes into Ryan Tannehill. Well, I will point no, out, I will point out right back in your face, Sean, that five yeah. quarterbacks threw for more than 400 yards this week, the most in one week in the NFL history. And there have been 12 of them in the, in the entire year, the most through four weeks in NFL history. So yeah, it is a glorious god dang time to be a football fan. A lot of points being scored, a lot of offense. Ryan Tannehill just didn't happen to have it on Sunday afternoon. This is, I was gonna say, is I'm the opposite of Ryan. Like, I don't, I, I don't think we ever thought the Dolphins were going to beat the Patriots in the AFC East. So therefore I look at this game and they never win in New England. So like, I'm kind of throwing this out. I don't think that means the Dolphins can't compete for a wild card spot. It just kind of confirmed that the Patriots are still gonna win the AFC East pretty handedly. And the Dolphins just don't go into New England and beat the Patriots. John just said they're winning six games. They're going to win six games. I think, I would take the over. We talked about this last week. I would hammer that over. I think they're around, Eight or nine wins. I, I think for me, the biggest thing with the Patriots, the lesson to take from here is that they don't care what they are through four weeks. Like they, they were through one week or two weeks or, or three weeks or whatever it is. They're trying, their end game is to be really good at the end of the season and to stack as many wins as possible. They want to develop Sony Michelle into a feature back that they can use regularly. They want to use James White as a versatile receiving weapon. Um, you know, they want to test out some things they can do with Cordero Patterson, who caught a touchdown the 70th player to catch a touchdown from Tom Brady tied for the most in the NFL history. By the way, Bob Kraft, owner of fine shoes and a, and a wonderful Patriots team, 300th victory as Patriots owner, fastest ever to 300 wins. Uh, Philip Dorsett, four catches. I, I just think I'm not worried. The Patriots are fine. The Patriots are going to steamroll this division, and that's the lesson to take. The, but the, the Dolphins are dead. The Dolphins can still make some noise in that and that, uh, they're, they're not going. To. They're still leading the division, which is funny because we're writing them off as a horrible team. They still, they're still a game up on the Patriots. Uh, Again, I don't think they're going to win the division, but they're three and one. Like I don't think we should overreact because they lost in Foxborough. They're yeah. better than the Bears, but not much else. <laughs> well, they play the Bears in two weeks, so we'll find out. But real quick on this Patriots game, the one thing I want to say is that they won this game in a way they don't usually win games. Wilson was saying that uh, the Patriots had a bad running game through three weeks, and they ran all over the Dolphins, which, you know, the Dolphins, your defense is bad if you let the Patriots run all over you. And and they called 40 run plays. There was 40 carries for the Patriots. They've only done that 28 times 
under Belichick, 40 or more carries. So you're looking at less than one and a half times a season, maybe. And then the defense, which has been, I mean, kind of trash all year. That's been, they haven't been great. The Patriots on defense. Trash. Yeah. All of a sudden they give up 172 yards, which is like the second lowest total in the last 10 years. So you're talking a 40 carry game. The defense and they kind of neutralized Brady and Wilson was again talking about how he struggled at the beginning, but it didn't matter. And so it's like, we still don't know where Tom Brady's at skill wise. I mean, would you guys agree with that? Would you be able to say that he's great this year right now? Or I, I mean, I wasn't like, impressed with him today at all. Yeah. It feels like he's been average for four games and we don't still don't know if he's any good this year right now. Obviously he's great career wise, but you know, I, I don't know where Brady is. They do get Edelman back this week. Yes. Is that right? And then and Gordon I, will be more exactly. offense. So yeah, I think you give it two or three more weeks. Yeah. And then Brady laughs at you and wins the Super Bowl. Uh, elsewhere, let's talk about the AFC South really quickly in the form of two different games. One, a wild overtime finish between the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts. Um, and the other, a wild overtime finish between the Tennessee Titans and the Philadelphia Eagles. Both one one ended with the Houston Texans winning thirty seven thirty four. The other ended with the Tennessee Titans finishing twenty six to twenty three. And I think the interesting juxtaposition here, guys, is that in each game a coach got very aggressive on a fourth down play call. In the Colts instance, uh, Sean, you wrote about this. It was Frank Wright going for a fourth and two on his own side of the field. He didn't get it. Um, it backfired. Houston got a pretty easy field goal attempt to win the game. And then Mike Vrabel went for a fourth and two. Um, on, on, maybe it was fourth and five for the Colts. I can't remember, but, um, uh, Mike Vrabel went for a fourth and two on the Eagles side of the field, got it. And then the Tennessee Titans went down there and scored a touchdown to win the game. I think it's interesting to me that Vrabel is being praised for being aggressive, while Reich is being ripped over the, ripped over, raked over the coals by some people for being too aggressive. Yeah, I liked both of the calls. And what's the, the thing with the Colts situation is, if they punt the ball, the game's over, and they're going to get tied. Does the tie really help the Indianapolis Colts? I, I'm, who knows? Does a win even help them? They're not a playoff team, so I don't really see this as like a big risk. They're not really blowing anything. Um, the one problem I had with the Colts' decision is that there was only 25 seconds left, and they had one timeout left, and the route that they ran on fourth down was a really short route, and so it would have been caught in bounds, and they would have had to burn their final timeout. And the problem then is you still have to go 15 or 20 yards at, in at 20 least, seconds. At least. Right. And so it wasn't like, oh, you convert this fourth down, therefore you're going to get a kick at, at the win. Um, there, there still needed, you still needed to convert on the next play. So to me, it still, it still seemed like a really low percentage that you're still going to walk out of there with a win. Um, I love what the Titans did. I, I, I like what the Colts said. It just didn't work out. But I think Frank Reich, what he said after, I'd do it 10 more times. And I like that mentality. And I don't think we should be surprised. I mean, he's coming from Philadelphia. We all just praised Doug Peterson for um, what he did, um, you know, with the Philly special and all that. And so this is who they hired. And it's going to backfire once in a while. But the good news is that the Colts aren't a very good football team. So this, this loss isn't going to matter very much. Uh, I think for me, the biggest takeaway is Deshaun Watson looks like he's making his way back. He was mm-hmm. rusty the first few games. Uh, the second biggest takeaway, uh, he got sacked seven times. That offensive line is dog crap. Um, and that was the concern coming into the offseason. They tried to, uh, make changes. I think they had four new faces along the offensive line and it just has not worked. Uh, to their credit, Deshaun Watson's playing better, but, uh, look, he's coming off a of knee surgery. You can't have him taking a whipping, you know, for whatever, 13, 14 more weeks and expect him to, to play at a high level. So it's a big win for them. It's the first win of the season. I'm like Sean. I have no issue with Frank Reich uh, going for it on fourth down. The, the play call was, you can certainly question it, but I give him credit for going for it just like I give Mike Vrabel credit. And um, that Titans team, and Brent, you sort of waver back and forth during the game about them being really good. And, and they're my Titans, they, baby, my Titans. They're, they are a really good football team, and they are winning – Incredibly ugly, but I think this game is a good game for Mariota in that he seemed to have gotten over a hump. He's been battling the injury, and he looked as confident as I see him in a while. And I'll be honest, I don't watch every Titans football game, but I've seen enough of them to know that he hasn't played as well as he should have played over the course of his career. So maybe this is sort of the jump start they need um, to sort of get things going in much the same way the, the Dolphins season is officially over based on how they played. Yeah, and I'll say on the Titans game real quick that I picked the Titans to win. 
But when they fell down 17 to three, I've watched this offense play through the first three weeks. I thought they had a zero percent chance of winning. I did not think there was any way they were going to come back on the Eagles defense and, and somehow they pulled this off. And I think I said last Sunday that Mike Vrabel is my coach of the year through this early season right now. And we just keep him, he keeps making bold decision after bold decision. Cause here's the big difference between what Vrabel did and what Frank Reich did. The Titans were losing third down 23 20. So if you don't get the fourth down, the game's over, you lose. Frank Reich, if you don't get the fourth down, the tie was still in play, you know, cause it was a tie game when he made the call. So it's like Mike Vrabel needed a little bit more marbles, uh, to make that call knowing you lose. You, you can take yeah, the field goal. Yeah. Give the Eagles the ball back. Give them a chance to win. Or you go for the fourth. You don't get it. It's game over. They went for it. They end up getting a touchdown. Uh, man, so I just love everything Mike Vrabel's doing. That is why I moved to Nashville, was just so I could be close to, uh, Mike Vrabel. That's, uh, that was a bold move to move to Nashville just for Mike Vrabel. Um, there's an awesome video if you haven't seen it. Uh, it's on the Titans. I think the Titans have it pinned up, but it's like the reaction between Vrabel and Taylor Lewan in the locker room. If you guys, have you guys seen this? It's like, Vrabel, they just start punching each other in the chest and like, like meeting out, like, like it's a total meat session. And they just, they're just like losing their minds over the victory. Uh, Corey Davis, by the way, huge game for him. He ended up, uh, catching, I believe, by the way, uh, you mentioned Deshaun Watson, Ryan. He had a big, another, uh, third straight game over 350 yards, I believe. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins had 169 catches, or 169 receiving yards, excuse me. Corey Davis had 161 receiving yards with that game-winning touchdown at the end. Nine catches on 15 targets. Really impressive. Uh, Mariota, 344 passing yards, 30 or 43. I think they converted three different fourth downs late in, in, in that game. On the final overtime drive. On the final overtime drive. And Mariota led them on a comeback in regulation and a comeback in, uh, in, uh, in overtime. And I point out too, that and I was looking for it to see exactly when it happened, but John, you you know that they were down big. Harold Landry had a um a speed bend move to sack strip Carson Wentz that is filthy. Harold Landry might be the steal of the draft right now. Just how well he's playing for a team that desperately need a pass rush. I know Ryan's been touting up uh, the BC pass rusher ever since because you're you're a big draft guy, right? Right. Well, it's not the Steelers passed on him. Uh, worth pointing out really quickly, last week we were, me especially, worried about Andrew Luck. I, I kept calling him Chad Pennington. He threw, <laughs> threw 62 <laughs> times, uh, on Sunday and he even threw a Hail Mary at the end. He had four touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, he was sacked four times again, which has been a, a lingering concern. So, uh, I guess his arm is okay. I don't know why he couldn't throw the, 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 the Hail Mary, um, a few weeks ago, but he was able to throw it on Sunday along with the, uh, 61 other passes he attempted. He, uh, he actually had a pass. He completed a pass, air yards, over 40 yards down the field. So that's good news for Andrew Luck. Um, he's actually top 10 in terms of passing yards. That, that, uh, that prop is alive again. My, my Andrew Luck to lead the league in passing yards is back alive. I know Sean can't wait to hear about that every single week on this podcast. Yeah. What I was going to say, just to completely ignore you about that, is we were talking before the games about Alshon Jeffrey and how in fantasy we're staying completely away from him. I think it's, what the Eagles lost, but something good is that Alshon came back, caught yeah. eight of nine targets for 105 yards. He looked really good. And he was also sick, I think, in addition to dealing with the shoulder surgery um, that caused him to miss the first few weeks of the year. So I think that's a good sign for the Eagles. Zach Ertz also continues to look really good. I think the Eagles will be fine. Um, but getting Alshon back is big for them. And with luck, real quick, I think we're going to get a big idea of how well his arm heals. Because I remember after he played in that Week one game, he hadn't been on the field in a year and a half, hadn't played in a regular season game, said he felt like he had been in a car wreck. Now he's got to turn around and play Thursday after throwing 62 passes, you know, off. He hasn't had to do that with a shoulder yet where he has to play a game four days later. So I do think it'll be interesting to see how his arm, for instance, you might have to tear your ticket up. He's only throwing 10 passes on Thursday. Well, this and Thursday game is a, can't take it. is a problem. No T.Y. Hilton, I don't think. I think T.Y. might have a hammy. T.Y.'s. Uh, he, had, he had suffered a chest injury early, missed a lot of that game, then suffered a hammy injury, still ended up, uh, coming out with 100 and, I think, 16 receiving yards for, in that, in, in terms of who luck was, what he was pulling down from luck, 115, excuse me, on four catches. No TY, no Jack Doyle this week, uh, probably no Jack Doyle on Thursday. He, he's throwing like Chester Rogers and Ryan Grant. 
My boy, Naheem Hines, nine catches, 63 yards. He posterized the honey badger in this game, and he also uh, ran the ball four times for 10 yards. But he uh, had two two receiving touchdowns and was very dangerous. They just don't have a lot of weapons. Like they're th- This is a bad Colts team that could easily be 4-0 at this point. I mean, like, they're not that far away from being 4-0. I think that speaks a lot to what that coaching staff is doing, which to me has been extremely impressive uh, thus thus far in the year. Less impressive. Oh, by the way, before we finish on, on those two games, Bill O'Brien. Top of, I like Bill O'Brien. I think he's done a lot with the little in terms of quarterbacks. I'm still irate because I had the Texans in the Super Contest, 3-2, and if you care. Um, still irate about how Bill O'Brien, with 45 seconds left in regulation, gets the ball back. He's got Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins. The Colts stink in the secondary, and he runs a draw to Alfred Blue with no timeouts left. And they end up not getting in range to be able to kick a game, potential game-winning field goal. It should have cost him, and the football gods didn't, uh, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't reward the, the right guy in, in this game. Uh, Oakland Cleveland, thriller out in Sean's neck of the woods, your old neck of the woods, John Breach. Baker Mayfield looked fantastic. Uh, well actually he didn't look fantastic, he looked fine. Uh, but he, he looked a lot better than Tyrod Taylor, right? I don't know who I was asking that to. Yeah, no, he looked great. I actually watched every play of that game solely because I wanted to see Baker oh. Mayfield play. And, uh, I know that Pete isn't big on, or he's okay with Baker, but he's so all in on Josh Allen, Pete Prisco is that he can't see anyone else playing well. Uh, Baker had, I think, three turnovers maybe that he had a pick six on the first drive. The ball was tipped. It, it was a little high, but I mean, those are sort of the mistakes you want a young quarterback to make on a terrible football team who's trying to get better. And he is the type of player, unlike Johnny Manziel, for example, who would be unfazed by such turnovers. He got hit in the pocket and strip sack, and that was another turnover. He fumbled, uh, he botched a snap, that was another turnover. So these are things that are certainly fixable, and other than the pick six, aren't necessarily a big deal. He had a fantastic, uh, he made several fantastic throws. I don't know if it was a two-point conversion of the touchdown to Jarvis Landry in the back of the end zone. Very few people are making that throw, and, and I think that the takeaway is this offense can be really, really good. You mentioned Nick Chubb. He played well. And Joku didn't drop 47 passes, which he's been known to do when he loses focus. He made a lot of big plays. Uh, I think there's still growth for Antonio Callaway, who can be super explosive, but he seems to not have focus from one play to the next. And whatever, he's a fourth-round rookie uh, who's sort of worked through some things, so that's fine. Um, I think maybe one of the bigger takeaways is that for all the yelling and screaming Greg Williams does on the sidelines, I'm not convinced he's a good coach. I don't even know if his players take him seriously. All the, you just, I think they sort of look past all the ranting and raving at a certain point. And you're like, okay, this guy's clearly insane. And we're sort of on, the, on our own to sort of figure this out. Uh, because in big moments, the bear, the, uh, the, the Browns still aren't coming up. Uh, I guess some of the credit goes to, to the Raiders for finally winning the game. I also don't know how much faith John Gruden has in Derek Carr. And, and I think that has more to do with John Gruden than it does with Derek Carr. So, uh, you know, we'll see. The Raiders finally won a game. I tweeted that during the game that I think Gruden's last win came 3,500 days ago, so he, he can now reset the counter to zero. Everything you just said about Derek Carr, Ryan, is every time I'm watching the Raiders, so like maybe the last three weeks, I literally think John Gruden wants to cut him every time <laughs> he throws the inner. Like it, he just makes the Chucky face, and, and I, I just think Derek Carr's going to walk to the sideline, and and John's going to be like, Derek, just keep going to the locker room, man. We're uh we're going to put our boy AJ McCarron in and let him run the show because I think you're trash. And, and, and Gruden's just making that face all the time, and maybe that's just what he does when he's coaching, but I don't see him making it to the other players as often. And Derek Carr made – it almost looked like he was the rookie quarterback. He made some questionable mistakes there. I mean, in the end, he did lead them to a comeback win, and I'm not saying the Raiders should cut Derek Carr or get rid of them. I'm just saying that it, kind of what Wilson just said. It is. It really feels like Gruden uh, isn't doesn't know what to feel about him. Worth noting, too, that there were two calls at the end that went against the Browns that probably should have went in their favor. There was a, a fumble that was blown dead that the Browns were in the process of returning for a touchdown that would have ended the game. And then there was a, a measurement, a, a spot review that got changed. That And I, it, it's interesting because we're talking about Baker Mayfield's four turnovers, but if he goes on the road in his first start and beats the Raiders like they should have, the talk isn't about his four turnovers. It's about how he overcame that. Um, and unlike Tyrod Taylor is taking risks and pushing the ball downfield. So, so I'm not discouraged at all by the Browns. I will say though that if they hadn't won last week, we would be talking about like, oh my God, look how the Browns blew another game because they were up eight and they had two botch calls go against them and to give up the, the two point conversion at the end on just a fade, the 
35-year-old Jordy Nelson. Uh, not not good for Hugh Jackson. Uh, I, it, it's just insane that he's won two games in his two and a half seasons, and somehow we don't talk about how his job is at risk. We don't. We don't. Well, not enough. Well, we just kind of accept it. I feel like, oh, there he yeah. goes. The Browns losing another game they should have won. And no, and uh, well, how does he solve a job? You don't want to waste. I mean, you can't waste the mental energy on why Hugh Jackson has a job because, <laughs> as you point out, it, he's terrible. And uh, yeah, there is no explanation. I will say this quickly: uh, that fumble that they blew dead was insanely ridiculous. They, the Browns got screwed, but I also thought the the fourth down spot was the right call. They got that one right. Also, Marshawn Lynch broke a tackle. And they blew that dead for some yeah. unknown reason. So I don't understand why they're so whistle They were intimidated by Gruden. That's it. And the thing is with Sean just saying that, hey, if those two calls uh, don't go against the Browns and the Browns win, then maybe we are talking about how much Gruden hates Derek Carr and how the team's 0-4. They're coming off a loss to the Browns. I mean, that would be a completely different kind of situation uh, with things blowing up in Oakland. So uh, maybe it's for the best that the Browns lost today. The, the Raiders needed to get a win for Gruden. Gruden's first win in how many days? Somebody just said it again, like 3,792 or something like that. 3,500 uh, and change. 3,500 and change. But Nick Chubb, first player in NFL history to rush for 100 yards and two touchdowns on three carries. He ran three times for 105 yards and two touchdowns. I would anticipate that he is a highly interested waiver pickup. Um, we talked about like Ronald Jones, Rashad Penny, Nick Chubb. All these rookies have been sort of discarded. Tariq Cohen got dumped. Duke Johnson got dumped. Those guys are, are going to be heavily picked up this week. I still think it looks like they're going to give the rock to Carlos Hyde a bunch, and I'm fine with that. But is it possible that, like, again, with Hugh Jackson, that he's just sitting two rookies who are great? Like, in Baker Nick, Mayfield? Nick Chubb has not played well early in the season. Uh, I'm not, I'm not dogging Nick Chubb, but, uh, I don't think he had a, a good game on three carries, as you just pointed out. But I don't Why know. Why are you dogging Nick Chubb? <laughs> what do you, what's, what do you dislike about him? What do, what do, do you do Nick Chubb? Uh, seriously though, John mentioned this. I want to ask quickly before we move on. Is there, I, I think there's a real possibility that save that the last touchdown throw that Derek Carr made, John Gruden was about to pull up, pull his wig off. Uh, John Gruden's <laughs> wig, not Derek Carr's. Is there a chance, like it, if we have two more games, for example, Derek Carr playing the way he played today, is there a chance he gets benched? Sure. I think anything's on the table with Gruden. Gruden did all kinds of crazy stuff in Tampa and in Oakland. Like, he was known to be not, like, he would, he'd come out and be like, ah, oh, we love Derek Carr. He's a great player. And he'd be like, cut him the next day. <laughs> there's just no, like, there's no rhyme or reason. I mean, how did the Raiders, they, they, all right, they got 437 passing yards and four touchdowns from Derek Carr, 130 rushing yards from Marshawn Lynch on 20 carries, 128 receiving yards from Amari Cooper, and 110 receiving yards and two touchdowns from Jared Cook. And they lost the freaking game. Oh, no, they won, excuse me. But I mean, like, they, they didn't need to go to overtime. Like, they should have. They should have lost. Yeah, they should have lost the game. It should have been a blowout. I can't believe they let the Browns stick around. I can't believe they ended up covering. Good for, good for anybody who had the Raiders. But it was just a wild, a, a wild situation. I think that this, I don't think this is a springboard for the Raiders. I think this is a, whew, we won one at home and things are about to get very ugly. Um, a team that might, might be taken off here a little bit. Chargers. It's October now. Chargers could finally start to put some stuff together. I got to, everybody on the podcast, you can't see it, but they're shaking their heads at me. Uh, I'm not, I'm not back on the Chargers. I'm a Chiefs man myself these days, guys. Uh, I'm not a Chargers fan myself. Um, I'm just saying, I think I can see the Chargers start to do some stuff now that it's October. What impressed you today about their two point win over CJ Beathard at home during which <laughs> CJ Beathard averaged 8.1 yards per attempt? That's what, what impressed you? Well, they're resilient, Sean. Oh, yeah. yeah. Against a terrible 49ers team. Yeah. Go on. Um, what did, Anthony Lynn did something stupid. What was it? Uh, oh, yeah, wow. he, he showed up to work. I mean, come on. That's the entire second half. Yeah. I don't, I mean, you're no, not they seriously. They shouldn't um, kick extra points anymore. Oh, I, I know. tweeted it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They should just go for two every time because they can't make a kick. Philip Rivers has like never said anything bad about anybody. He's, he's, this is going to be, Caleb Sturgis is going to be his Mike Vanderjack moment where he's like, this idiot kicker. And he's just gonna like launch into some tirade, bolo tirade. Um, they had a fourth and one with like five minutes left and a chance to run the ball once with Melvin Gordon straight up the gut, pick up a first down and end the game. And they decided to punt on like the, I think they were on San Francisco's like 43 or 34 or 37 or something like that. It was the softest move I've ever seen. And they, they picked beat hard off the, you know, the very next play, but Bethard, but still like, it, he, he's Anthony Lynn is not a good football coach. 
So you yeah. just talk yourself out of your Chargers are awesome. No, they're, they're talented. They'll they'll put some they'll string some. The 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 for our, we're just bashing the Raiders defense. The Chargers defense has given up three fewer points all season long than the Raiders. Like that defense without Joey Bosa is terrible. I mean, they've also Bilder. played the Rams and the Chiefs. Yeah. Sean, let's sure. cut them a little bit of slack. It's not uh, the they gave up 27 points to C.J. Beathard. Sean was too busy googling. Well, there there was a pick six, so real it was just 20. Yeah. Let's give them a little bit of credit. Uh, we'll get oh, we'll give the Chargers credit for their pick six. You're right. I'll, I'll All right. Chargers, credit. Chargers next four, Chargers next four ga- next three games because they had a bye in there as well. Uh, Raiders at home at the Browns, Titans at home. How many of those do they win? Two. Two, two works, two works for me. And They're going to be definitely beat the Raiders. Yeah. yeah. And that third game against the Titans is a weird one in London. You never know who's going to win that. No, that's true. So it's like, that can go any, they could win all three. And then we're going to be talking about how they're going to shoot themselves in the second half of the schedule. Uh, but they could definitely win all three of those. I could see that happening. Uh, but yeah, the Chargers are annoying. They're out of September now. They managed to go two and two September. That's a big step up. The Giants did not manage to go two and two in September. Their lone win came last week uh, against the Houston Texans, and then they got blasted by the Saints. I'm starting to think, guys, that Pat Shermer might not be a good coach. Jesus, man, this team is hot garbage. You can't you can't score points against uh, the Saints defense, which is a terrible defense, and that's a, actually a surprising story that they're so bad. But I mean, they they sort of found themselves. And all you have to do is go to the Meadowlands, apparently, and play a team that has – I don't know what is going well for this team. Uh, Saquon Barkley is a special talent, but you can't really use him. Eli Manning's garbage. The offensive line's terrible. It's only a matter of time before Odell loses his mind. Evan Ingram's hurt. So, yeah, I don't know where you start, where you finish. And, and I think you make a good point. We sort of slept on Pat Shermer being uh, something other than what he was when he was in Cleveland, which was an absolutely terrible coach. So, uh, apparently nothing changed from his time away from from, uh, from the Browns. I think the the only good news is that when we were talking about them drafting Saquon Barkley, it was like, how are they passing on a quarterback? Who knows when they're going to be back to get another quarterback? Good news is that they're going to be in a position to grab a quarterback this year, and they're going to have Saquon Barkley, who does look pretty good, just stifled behind a horrible offensive line and constantly getting hit in the backfield. Uh, they just they got to dump Manning after the year, and they got to take a quarterback. Um, I don't know much about the. The draft class, Ryan's our expert here, so he could probably inform us, but, uh, um, Ryan good. Finley. Ryan Finley's, uh, Ryan is, Finley's uh, gonna be awesome. He better, he's, better, he's, uh, Brent's boy. But, uh, here's the deal. This draft class isn't supposed to be as good as last year's draft class. And here's the other deal. I don't know if Sam Brad, uh, Sam, uh, Darnold, excuse me, it does anything for this Giants team. I think honestly, I'd rather have Saquon Barkley at this point. Ooh, ouch. Did Sam Darnold? I don't think so. I'd rather have Sam Yeah, I, I, I like that. I agree with that. You know, Saquon I, I, Barkley. Hate, I hate, I hate to agree with Ryan, but yeah, I was well, a big Darnold coming out, and what's I don't, Darnold done? The Jets are terrible. I, I agree with you, and I thought his week one put up forty eight points against the Lions, Ryan. Well, how many pick sixes were there? You there tell me. A few. That was the Stafford meltdown game. Uh, no, I agree, and like again, I was kind of being mean to the Giants when I said the good news is that they're going to be really bad and have a position to pick a quarterback, but it is good that they have Saquon Barkley to pair with whoever comes in next year. And that'll help. At the same time, if there's a stud offensive lineman, I'm not sure how they can also pass that. So they, they've got a lot of holes. They're not going to be good anytime soon, probably. I don't know how much I put on Pat Shermer. It's more about this roster just not being any good. Seattle Seahawks. This roster's not terrible, though. This roster actually could be decent. I mean, they got Nate Solder. They got Omame from the Jags. <laughs> they moved Eric Flowers from left tackle to right tackle to the bench. Uh, they got Saquon. The defense should be better. The defense two years ago, that was a top five unit. Last year they were dog crap. And um, they just haven't figured it out. I don't think this is a necessarily a terrible team on paper. I think the problem is the offensive line and everything they have to do is so short. If you look at Sterling Shepard's leading the team in catches today with 10, but he's averaging 7.7 yards um, per catch. Very, you know, Jarvis Landry in, in Miami-esque. Um, I think that's the biggest problem. You got quarterback and offensive line problems. Uh, I agree with you. The defense should probably be better, but are we sure that season two years ago just wasn't the aberration? It could easily be the aberration. Oh, it's definitely the aberration. We're past that point. That is a hundred percent the aberration. This team is not good. Uh, and Sean, you shouldn't apologize for saying that they're going to go three and thirteen and get the top pick in the draft because that's exactly what's going to happen. Eli Manning played one good game. It was last week. They got their win. It's going to be tough for them to get any more wins. I mean, 
I would set their over under at three at this point. This point, it just like this game right here. It was at home. Drew Brees, who had been gunning, trying to get 80% accuracy for the season, had easily his worst game of the year. And, you know, the Saints still ran all over him. I, you know, I just don't know what part where the Giants can pick up wins just because they've looked so badly through the first four weeks. Here's what was worse than the Cardinals. No. Oh, so the Cardinals are going to get the first pick. (laughs) Giants got number two locked up though. I mean, the Bills, the Bills are still in that equation. The Raiders are still in that equation, I think. Cardinals haven't won a game. Cardinals could be the worst team in football. I mean, they, look, Josh Rosen, look, I tried to, I tried to watch as little of that game as possible. Cause I mean, I can go back and watch Rosen's clips later. I'm not going to spend my Sunday afternoon staring at the Cardinal. I mean, it, it, the, the under for that was like, what was it? Uh, actually it almost ended up going over. It was 38 and a half. We got close, but 2017, it stayed under. That was always a lock. Um, and, and I just think that, I mean, the, the, they don't know what they're doing with David Johnson. They finally got in the ball 22 times to run the ball. Uh, but they ended up losing 20 to 17. The Cardinals, Cardinals are dealing with a lost season. They just need to see what they have in Rosen and then try to figure it out and get ready for next year. This is not a team that's going to make some sort of run. The Seahawks, you know, we talked about Earl Thomas. The Seahawks are probably more interesting, I guess, because they at least have a shot in that division, maybe. But, I mean, I, I would say the Cardinals are worse um, than the Giants and maybe the Bills. Because the Bills at least are, have a good coach, I think. Do they? The guy yeah, but the, 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 the Cardinals are like two plays away from two and two. You know, they they're, they're zero plays they away from 0 and 4. No, they are zero, zero <laughs> plays away from 0 and 4. Uh, Detroit and Dallas. This is our last game, guys. Good work. Um, isn't it our last game? Did I miss anything else? Detroit and Dallas played a football game. The Dallas Cowboys are terrible. They're 2 and 2. The Lions are 1 and 3. Don't let the Cowboys record fool you. They're an awful football team. Zeke Elliott had a fantastic day. 25 carries, 152 yards, 4 catches, 88 yards, and a receiving touchdown. Huge day for Zeke. Dak Prescott, 17 of 27 for 255 and two touchdowns. Uh, Leighton Vander Esch is pretty sharp for the defense. I just think that the Lions are a bad team, and the Cowboys are slightly better today, but they definitely tried to give it away, Ryan. Yeah, I just want to say this quickly. Uh, you may have heard Jerry Jones compare the Dallas Cowboys to the Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Cowboys have a former Rams player in the name of Tavon Austin who, uh, let me look at the stat sheet here, zero receptions for zero yards. And uh, I watched a little bit of that game, and the play I saw him, shine on quote unquote is when he dropped a touchdown pass in the end zone that hit him in the hands and then he promptly got hurt so that was my big takeaway from this game i think you're exactly right the cowboys are terrible the lions should be better um i say that hesitantly because as sean pointed out they got smoked by the uh, jets in the season opener and then they sort of uh, pulled pulled the old switcheroo on, on the patriots but part of me wonders <laughs> as i continue to uh move forward with this conspiracy theory that bill belichick let matt patricia win to give them confidence. So uh, that's where I'm at on, on the Cowboys being terrible and uh, still the jury's out on the lines. Zeke played uh, well, as Brinson mentioned, but I think what's so dire about the Cowboys' uh, entire situation on offense is that they just have no one else besides Zeke, and he did so much work as a receiver today, which is good. They should involve him more, and I think that's – if they're going to have any sort of success, is they Zeke just can't be confined to – running out of the backfield and catching screens. He needs to be targeted more downfield. He set up the game winner with a 34-yard catch. Um, that, According to ESPN stats and info, it was his only time um, ever, I think, being targeted 10-plus yards downfield or this year. Um, and I think he looked really good on that, and it was a mismatch against the linebacker. And their receiving corps are so bad that I think they have to start using him more like the Cardinals should be using David Johnson, but, but they're not doing for some reason. And their entire game plan needs to be feed Zeke, but not just coming out of the backfield, you know, in the I formation, spreading them out and trying to get against linebackers in the slot. I agree with everything Sean just said, which I hate. I mean, but that's what the Cowboys have to do. It's like, you just give the ball to Zeke. You give them, you give them, they should not even, they don't even need other offensive players on the field. They should just have nine offensive linemen, Dak Prescott and Zeke and run the offense like that. And maybe have two of those offensive linemen go out. And this this would be like John Gruden, super 1998 offense. Just boom, just give it to Zeke the whole entire time. Because that's all, the only way this offense is going to work is if it 100% revolves around Zeke like it did today. And, you know, that's it. This is the most successful the Cowboys have had on offense this year was right this. And how many touches did 
Elliott ended up having like 30? 29. 29. So, I mean, that's it. You, you got to give them the ball all the time, and, and you have to know that the other team knows you're going to do that, but that it doesn't matter because that's your bread and butter. You know what the Cowboys need? Two words. Ryan Switzer. <laughs> I don't understand why the, 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 the <laughs> amount of Ryan Switzer touches the Steelers are giving this guy. I mean, like, no wonder their offense They're is They're one, two, out. and one. That's, that's to tell you all you need to know. By the way, this is a fascinating stat that I meant to mention when we were talking about the Seahawks. Do you know how many com- third down conversions the Seahawks had today? Zero! Not a single third down conversion. The first team, uh, as Greg Rosenthal pointed out on Twitter, to, uh, to have one, to not have a uh, first down, a third down conversion and win a game since two Thousand and ten. That's that's amazing. I, I'm not even mad. I'm just I'm just amazed. Uh, do you know who won that game in 2010? I don't, Sean. Oh, okay. Probably the Bears. Um, I say that sounds like a Jimmy Clausen special. It does actually like does that. sound like a Jimmy Clausen special. All right. Any other big takeaways from Week Four, John Breach? Um, first takeaway is milk. I do not like it as much as Sean. Second takeaway is Bengals going to the playoffs. I know it's early, but I think we're all on that bandwagon now. Not just Sean's Mitchell Trubisky bandwagon. And third takeaway is that the Dolphins are trash. <laughs> Sean, who you got in the uh, Monday night game? I have the Chiefs. It was actually one of my five best bets. I think I got it at minus five or four. I don't remember. It's down to three and a half now. You're probably going to lose that one. How are, um, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm just kidding. How are, uh, how are your best bets doing? You doing pretty well? They're actually doing pretty well. I, I had the record out earlier. I think I'm 14, four and one so far. Whoa. Uh, heading into tomorrow night. These, so. these are all against the spread. Two of them have been Chiefs overs. That's fine. That's cashless. Who cares? Guys, yes, go for it. have just been picking against the spread. Well, golly, Free go. money from Sean. Go follow at Sean J. Wagner on Twitter. You can also follow Ryan. You got any takeaways you want to throw out there? Is that how you uh, pay rent in Oakland with your best bets? To <laughs> be fair, it's worth pointing out. Sean, Sean goes back and changes the, the scores <laughs> after he, <laughs> after the games. So that's, he didn't point out that part of it. Uh, I got the Titans winning the division. So. Sleep all night. Uh, to well, be fair, I had the Texans winning the division a month ago, but I don't think that's <laughs> The Texans win the division last week. Welcome to the Titans bandwagon. It's a good place to be. We will drop you off at John Breach's house outside of Nashville, uh, and you can hang out there. All right, guys, it's been fun. Follow John Breach on Twitter at John Breach. Follow Ryan Wilson at Ryan Wilson underscore seven. Sean J. Wagner. As I mentioned, the pod at Pixie's Pod. I'm at Will Brinson. Thanks, guys. Bye bye. See you later.